All right, uh, we're in Philippians. If you have your Bible, head over to Philippians chapter 3. I heard about a survey this week, and it was actually done in Sweden. It was an international survey of millennials. And they asked the question, what's your biggest fear in life? You heard all the normal responses. Uh, a loved one dies, losing a job, no Wi-Fi, you know, the normal things. Um, but the number one answer more than anything else, and uh, this is kind of surprising, is that uh, the biggest fear for millennials was that they would live a life without purpose. That they would never find their meaning in life. In 2017, a, another millennial, a famous millennial, Mark Zuckerberg, became the youngest person to ever give a commencement speech at a Harvard University graduation ceremony. And uh, in this speech, Mark Zuckerberg came up to the podium. And he opened up his, his, uh, his talk, um, beginning on this idea of purpose. He said, today I want to talk to you about purpose. And he would go on to talk about the importance of having a purpose in life. He said, purpose is the sense that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we're needed, that we have something better ahead to work for. Purpose is what creates true happiness. That's well said, isn't it? In order to experience happiness in life, we need to live for something bigger than ourselves. We need a purpose. Now, here's what I've discovered. It's not just millennials that are looking for purpose. We're all looking for purpose. And at some point in your life, when you get all the stuff, and whether you find success, you don't find success, at some point in all of our lives, we're going to find ourselves looking in the mirror and thinking, does it matter? Is there any purpose to this? Now, if you're trying to answer that question without God in your life, where do you find purpose? Purpose boils down to existence. You only live once. It's my life, Bon Jovi. I'm going to do it my way. Seeking pleasure, having fun. And a lot of people live that way, don't they? And the attractiveness of that view is that there is no God. There is no creator. There is no defining purpose or reason for existence. Yet if Mark Zuckerberg's right, and purpose creates happiness... That's ultimately a life that will not truly satisfy. It's ultimately a life where we will fail to experience the joy of a relationship with God and discovering his incredible purpose for our lives. We're in a series here at Hope on the book of Philippians, and I would like to talk to you about purpose today. What it is and what's worth living for and how that can actually create joy in our heart. I want to introduce you to a guy who found it. His name's Paul. Paul is the writer of the letter to Philippi, the letter to the Philippians. And there was a day his life changed. We sang this morning that our life began with Jesus. And that was true of the Apostle Paul. He found a purpose. He found his reason for life. He discovered the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. And we can too. Now, even though Paul was put in prison, we've seen, for sharing his faith, did he lose his joy? 
Uh-uh. Did, did he ever lose his energy or purpose? Not a chance. No, he still had it. And, and today in Philippians 3, Paul will reveal his secret. And the secret is for Paul that the greatest joy in life is found in knowing Jesus Christ. We were created for a relationship with God. There is no greater purpose for our life than knowing Jesus. But to get there, Paul begins with a warning. And this is where we're going to transition here to Philippians 3, verse 1. Paul wants to warn us that a, a wrong view of Christianity could actually keep us from finding our joy in Jesus. And there might be people here or people we know that have never actually surrendered their life to Christ because they think this is Christianity and, and maybe that wrong view could be hindering you or somebody you know from actually surrendering their life to Christ. In fact, Paul himself almost missed it. We're going to see today. But today you're going to hear Paul's incredible personal testimony of how he found the one thing worth living for. He found the joy and purpose of knowing Jesus. So listen to this, Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Here comes his story, his testimony. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But wherever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. That's the word of the Lord. Let's pray and we'll dive in. God, thank you that you brought us here to this place this morning, to Hope Community Church, to hear these words that change our lives. God, there is not a person here today who is here by accident. And there are many things that we're going through, many challenges that we face, but today there's nothing greater in our life than the possibility of knowing Jesus and finding our joy in him. So would this morning be, be a wake up to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ and having a relationship with God through faith in him. So help us today as we open up your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so we're looking at discovering our purpose. And Paul starts with a warning here, and I think this is huge, this is important. And here's the warning. Don't miss out on the joy of knowing Jesus because of a wrong view of Christianity. And it really is possible that there are people who don't know Jesus because they have a certain idea of what Christianity is all about. So Paul gives us this warning. I was driving this week, and uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I took my eyes off the road for a couple of seconds. And uh, I didn't realize this, but the cars in front of me were quickly stopping. And uh, I, I suddenly got jolted by uh, this, like, beep, 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 beep. And my car has an early warning system. Do any of you have a car that, like, ha like warns you? To, yeah, it was, like, jolted me. And uh, thank goodness for this new technology, I was able to stop in time. Well, Paul, in the book of Philippians, suddenly shifts the tone. And we start to hear this, this early warning, like, beep, 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 beep. And Paul's saying, watch out. Because there were people that had been traveling to some of Paul's churches, where he had planted churches. And these people had begun presenting a false gospel or a false view of Christianity. And that had actually happened already in places like Galatia. Read about it in Galatians or Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And Paul's beginning to worry that these same people are going to show up in Philippi. And they're going to begin to uh, present a false view of Christianity. And that could happen there, he worries, and maybe it could happen in our own life. So Paul issues this warning, Philippians 3, verse 1. You'll hear this strong language. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Wow. That's strong. So we hear the warning, but we also hear Paul's heart behind the warning. What does he say? Rejoice in the Lord. Right? This, is for his, this is for our joy in the Lord. And he's, he has no problem saying it again. He says it's a safeguard for you. Paul cares so much about our joy. He's concerned a wrong view of Christianity or a false gospel could keep us from experiencing the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. So what is this false gospel? Well, in Paul's day, there were a group of people called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers believed in Jesus, but they also taught that in order to be saved, a person had to be Jewish. They had to Judaize. They had to follow all the teachings and laws of the Jewish faith and religion. And so for males, that meant circumcision. So you could imagine the altar calls. Those churches, hey, come receive Jesus. And men, you just head out to the back. We'll, uh, I mean, you can only imagine, right? So Paul attacks these false teachers in verse 2, calling them dogs, evildoers, and in reference to circumcision, mutilators of the flesh. And the Judaizers say, yes, Jesus is good. He's just not good enough. It's Jesus plus religion. It's Jesus plus observing all the laws. It's Jesus plus following all the rituals. 
They were looking to the law as a way of achieving salvation. And they were promoting a view of Christianity that said, uh, you know, if you could just try hard enough, if you could just be good enough, then you could be right with God. And by the way, that still find that view in, in, people's, in people's thoughts today. Now, Christianity is a religion, and salvation is doing enough good things so that we can ultimately be saved. I had a friend many years ago, and he grew up Catholic, and he didn't go to church, he didn't have a relationship with God. He and I would talk, and I was asking about it one time, and why he didn't go to church, and he, he just said, no offense. He knew he was talking to a pastor. <laughs> like, no offense. No. Like, I, I'm just not into organized religion. You ever heard that one before? No, no, I don't do organized. So it makes, always makes me want to say, oh, so you'd be willing to do disorganized religion. I, I could help you with that. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with the organization of the church. I think it had to do with that second word, religion. What if Christianity was never meant to be a religion at all? Could it be that there are some people who are missing out on the joy of knowing Jesus because of a wrong view of Christianity? A Christian, according to Paul here, is a different sort of person. Verse 3, he says, For it is we who are the circumcision, who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. And you see what God has done in our lives. Because of Jesus, a radical change has taken place. And, and in Philippi, most of those believers would have been Gentiles. They wouldn't have been circumcised. And yet Paul still says, we are the real circumcision. Whether you wear that physical badge or not. Because Christianity is not a matter of outward religious appearances. Christianity is about an inward transformation of the heart. It's why we have a banner that says Christianity is a matter of the heart. And Paul in the New Testament grabs onto an idea from the Old Testament and carries it forward called a circumcision of the heart. And this is why Paul says we are the circumcision. He's talking about this transformed view. Listen to Paul in Romans chapter 2. He says a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. See, the work that Jesus has done in your life, in my life, is so much deeper than just a physical mark on the flesh. It's so much more powerful than that. God has actually given us a new heart through faith in Jesus Christ. We have a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, by which we are worshiping God. So let's go back to Philippians 3, verse 3. It talks about confidence in the flesh. Do we still battle the flesh as Christians? Absolutely. But our confidence is not in our flesh. Our confidence is not in our own abilities to be right before God. Our boast, Paul says, is in Jesus Christ. Christ is how we get to heaven, not our good works. Do you guys know that in 2021, a marathon 
swimmer named Pablo Fernandez set a world record for the longest swim in the ocean. He swam 155 miles. That's insane. Okay. Brian Vincent could probably do 155 feet, if I'm lucky. I don't know. Maybe Alex, maybe he could go a few miles. I don't know. How far could you swim? But you know what's crazy? Pablo and I have one thing in common. Neither of us are ever going to swim across the Atlantic Ocean. It's too far. The distance is too great. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. Whether it's good flesh or bad flesh, it's still flesh. It's still our own abilities. And it is not possible for sinful humanity to ever earn their way to cross that distance and to enter the very presence of a holy and awesome God. We can't do that. And no religion can do that. We actually needed Jesus to come. Right? And to do what we could never do. By dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the dead. Taking our, our sin burden upon our uh, his shoulders. Bearing our debt. Nailing it to the cross so that through his life we might have a brand new relationship with God. And guys, that's what Christianity is about. Christianity is about a new relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is not a religion. I am not a religious person. But I'm someone who loves to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's changed my life. And it can change your life today too. Christianity is not trying harder, but it's about trusting Jesus. So don't miss the joy here of knowing Jesus because of a wrong view of Christianity. Don't get led down that path. All right, now we come to Paul and his personal testimony, how God changed his life. This is what Paul discovered. He, he discovered that the greatest joy in life is knowing Jesus Christ. He found his purpose. He found his reason for living he describes his former life, beginning in verse 4. This is uh, interesting. He says, in verse 4, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Hey, I'm Pablo. I can swim the 155 miles. You want to try? I can do it better. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. I'm Paul, and he had achieved it. He had done it. He was the man when it came to religion. He grew up in a religious home, circumcised. I mean, context, this is, he starts there for a reason. Jewish, Hebrew of Hebrews, he excelled in religion. He was a Pharisee. You guys remember, like, the super religious people in the stories of Jesus, those Pharisees. Paul was one of them. He was a Pharisee. Who were the Pharisees? They're like the varsity religious people in the Bible. They're like, they're, they're varsity, right? And, and the Pharisees were the religious people who tried to obey the laws and the rules as strictly as possible. And when it came to that, Paul's pretty much saying it. He's like, I was the best. Right? I had it. I was doing it. In fact, 
He says, as to the law, faultless. But you guys know God saw his heart? God saw all the pride inside and how he was really putting his confidence in his own effort and ability to achieve his own salvation. See, Paul didn't need Jesus. In fact, he, it angered him, in fact, that there were those who thought they needed Jesus. And so he would use his authority and he would arrest Christians. He would persecute them, throw them in jail. And that's who Paul was. And yet one day when Paul is on his way to Damascus to arrest some Christians, he encounters Jesus. He meets the risen and exalted Christ. His life was never the same. How many of you know on that day you really met Jesus? Everything changed. God came into your life. There was a conversion. That's what happened to Paul. Listen to how he describes the new life he found in Jesus Christ, beginning in verse 7. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. You guys ever heard people share their testimonies? I always, whenever I hear testimonies, I'm always like amazed by those like, you ever heard the drugs to Jesus testimony? was like, man, I was doing drugs and I was like, all these bad things and then I met Jesus and he changed my life. Those are powerful testimonies. Some of us might have those testimonies. Paul is just like the exact opposite. Paul is like, yeah, man, I was good. I was religious. <laughs> and then my life changed and I met Jesus. I mean, you know, both those are powerful testimonies. And Paul says all the good all the bad, it's all a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul says, I found my purpose. I found my reason to live. All those things that kind of used to matter to me, Ah, they really don't matter to me as much anymore. You know, my status of who I was, all I had accomplished, the accolades. Oh, look at Paul. It's like, it's like garbage to me now. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. I remember as a teenager uh, working at McDonald's on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, it was a way for me to earn money be able to do things with my friends. And I actually really loved having the extra cash. If they're going to hang out, I'll go with them. And some of those friends were Christians. I believe they were praying for me. Because one day, I was working in the drive-thru on a Sunday morning, and there was a brown van that drove through the drive-thru, and I was handing the guy his sausage biscuit. And he looks me in the eye and he says, Hey, it's Sunday. You should be at church. I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened in that moment. But suddenly I knew that everything I was trying to gain at McDonald's was garbage. Kind of just like the food, right? <laughs> what I really needed in my life 
was Jesus. And so I went to my manager and I just said, hey, I can work, but I can't work Sundays. And looking back, never regretted it. Paul, looking back, he never regretted it. And you'll never regret it either. I don't know what you need to lose for the sake of Christ, whether it's a bad relationship or an addiction or maybe it's just sports on Sunday, whatever it is. Paul's trying to show us today that whatever we might lose in order to gain Christ, he's saying today it's worth it. Nothing else compares with the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater we could experience or live for than that relationship with God. What do we gain in knowing Christ? Three things we'll look at. Um, Paul begins to tell us next. Number one, in Christ we gain justification or a right relationship with God. Here's what Paul says in verse 9. Paul says, That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Right? This is not his own righteousness that makes him right with God, but it's that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So what is righteousness? The big word. Righteousness is our ability to stand before God without any guilt. Can we ever stand before God in our own righteousness without any guilt? Absolutely not. We can't do that. Not in our own strength, not in our own flesh. But here Paul is talking about a righteousness that we receive from God through faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are made right with God. Not because of our own work, because of the work of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And the theological term for that is justification. God, in justifying you and me, declares us right, holy, and perfect. Because we are found in Jesus, we are united with Christ, who is also righteous, holy, and perfect. We have a righteousness a right standing with God that comes not from our own efforts, but simply through trusting in Jesus Christ. That's incredible. That's amazing. That will change your life. It's what we gain in Christ. Number two, a right relationship with God. Number two, sanctification. A growing relationship with God. So God saves us in justification. God transforms us in sanctification. Our life begins to change through the power of the Holy Spirit as we grow in our relationship with God. This is verse 10 and 11. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And Paul's passion here comes through. He wants to know Christ. And what does Paul want to know? The power of his resurrection. How awesome is that? That's pretty incredible. 
right? We have a new life in Jesus Christ. And it is the power of Christ that enables us to live it. So the more we get to know Christ, the deeper we go in our relationship with him, the more we discover the power of Jesus Christ. So don't be surprised when your life begins to change. Don't, don't, be, don't be surprised when you begin experiencing victory over sin or you love somebody who used to be really difficult to love or you're overcoming something in your life that you've, you've struggled with your entire life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you, working in you, transforming you. It's the resurrection power. And Paul says, I want to know that. It would be awesome if the passage ended right there, right? Just pray and go home. What does he say next? I want to know the power of his resurrection and uh, other translations say the fellowship of his sufferings. Do you want to know the fellowship of his sufferings? Paul's talking here about suffering, I believe, on behalf of Jesus. And that could be anything from putting to death a sin in our life, saying no to temptation, to everything from standing up and being courageous for God at work. When we experience those sufferings, we're actually, it's actually a way of experiencing closeness with Jesus Christ, experiencing what he experienced. And so there is a closeness. There is a depth of relationship that comes as we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Paul wants to know Jesus. He wants to know his power and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to gain Christ. Justification, a right relationship with God. Sanctification, a growing relationship with God. I want everything he has for me. And last one, we're going to call glorification. An eternal relationship with God. Now, we have been created for glory. Created to share in the glory of God. Paul hits it briefly in verse 11 when he says, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And we're going to look at this more in depth next week. Ten verses later, chapter 3, Paul says that Christ will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. And it's just a reminder today that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is reigning in heaven. He's bringing all things under his feet. One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And the day will come when he returns in glory. And he will create all things new. There will be a new heavens and a new earth, a new creation. And in fact, we too shall rise with resurrection bodies like his glorious body. And we will experience the glory of, an ex of experiencing an eternity with God. Right? We see through a mirror dimly now, one day is going to be face to face. And I can't wait for that day. Right? Eternal life is a relationship with God. Come on. Greatest joy in life, knowing Jesus Christ. I just ask you this morning, are you looking for purpose? 
We want to find the reason for living here. Now, Christopher Parkening, who's considered to be the world's greatest classical guitarist, had achieved his musical dreams by the age of 30. Uh, by then, he was also a world-class fly fishing champion. I don't always put those together, like guitarist, fly fishing. Um, but he had done it. However, his successes failed to bring him happiness. Weary of performances and recording sessions, Parkening bought a ranch and gave up on the guitar. But instead of finding happiness after getting away from it all, his life became increasingly empty. And he wrote, If you arrive at a point in your life where you have everything that you ever wanted and thought that would make you happy, and it still doesn't, then you start questioning things. It's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I had that. And I thought, oh, what's left? Shortly after that, Parkening had been spending some time with some friends, and they invited him to church. And he put his faith in Jesus. And he was born again by the Holy Spirit. His life was changed. He, um, I always say that Christians wake up hungry. And he began just devouring the Word of God, reading Scripture. He was struck by 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he explains. I realized there were only two things I knew how to do. Fly fish for trout and play the guitar. Well, I'm playing the guitar today absolutely by the grace of God. I have a joy, a peace, and a deep down fulfillment in my life I never had before. He says, my life has purpose. I've learned firsthand. The true secret of genuine happiness. It's a powerful testimony. Powerful, powerful testimony. There's a lot of testimonies in this room. Greatest joy in life is knowing Jesus Christ. Hands down, nothing like it. Nothing compares. Experiencing a relationship with God. Guys, religion can't do that. Religion can't fill our heart. Religion can't connect us with God. To experience that, we need Jesus. And that's why I went to the cross. That's why he paid for our sins. That's why he rose so that we could have a new life with God simply by trusting him, a right relationship with God, a life-changing relationship with God, and an eternity with God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So I just ask you today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you want your sin forgiven, if you want Jesus to fill that void in your life, if you want to experience um, heaven when you die and meaning and purpose today. There's no better day or no better time than right now to receive Christ into your life. He'll come in. He'll fill your heart with his joy. I believe that. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's our promise. That's our hope. And we are the living testimonies of that today. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you so much for filling our heart with joy because of Jesus and because of his work on the cross. God, we're so thankful that we don't stand in our own righteousness. That we've been made right this morning. We have a right relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. The work has been done. The price has been paid. So we rejoice today that we are, we are new. We have a new life. We've been transformed, born again, changed forever. And I just pray for anyone else this morning 
And if the light has never come on in their heart to out of the darkness and into the glory of Jesus Christ, God, we pray this morning that they would simply thank you for the cross and confess their sins and receive Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for changing lives. Thank you for changing stories. God, I pray that we would celebrate your goodness this morning and the glory we share because of Christ Jesus. Thank you for changing our lives. We pray that you would continue to work in, in us, God, to share that good news with others. We love you, God. We praise you. We give you the glory that you will reign forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Man, he is worthy of our praise. Worthy, worthy, worthy. So will you stand with me? We close in song.